Hi, welcome to the fifth Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of today's show is education evolution. We're going to be hearing from Joycey John, Director of Education at Nesta, where she leads education research, innovation programs, and investments. She shines a light on the way EdTech is changing education as a result of COVID-19. We also meet Harvey Morton, Womanthology's very own digital expert, who shares his own perspective on the importance of inclusion and diversity for all, as well as rounding up the hottest digital tools and hacks. As ever, we'll be hearing from Inesh Santos, Womanthology's associate editor, who's going to be talking us through the written stories in the new issue. So, Joycey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Fiona. Uh, would you be able to tell us about your educational background and career to date? I know you've got a really fascinating career history, so I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. So I'm a computer engineer by training, and over the last two decades, I worked as a technologist, as a banker, and an entrepreneur. And now I lead Nesta's work in education innovation. So it's been um, multiple different careers across three different continents, and lots of different roles working with uh, businesses, edtech companies, governments, corporates. Yeah, it's been uh, an, an interesting adventure. So could you tell us a bit about the, the latest part of your adventure and the work that you're doing at Nesta? So at Nesta, I lead our research, uh, innovation programs and investments into education. Um, Nesta is an innovation foundation based in UK, and our vision is to make education broader, fairer, and smarter. And by that, I mean we need an education system that truly prepares all learners to thrive in the future. And how has Nesta been examining the role and potential of edtech during lockdown? The world has been turned upside down with the pandemic, and what many people have been trying to achieve um, for the last decade. You know, this virus has managed to do that in a couple of months because everyone has moved online or most people have moved online and learning, even though the schools were shut down, learning has been happening through uh, remote learning, both live learning, but also recorded learning and using lots of tools that are available to support learners. For us, uh, we've been looking at how we can support schools and colleges and edtech companies that are helping learners uh, on this journey. We uh, have a program called the EdTech Innovation Fund that is specifically working with 15 edtech companies that are trying to solve key challenges in formative assessment, essay marking, um, parental engagement, and timetabling. But more than that, during this pandemic during this shift, uh, we've seen that the number of users who are using the platforms has increased dramatically, but uh, revenues haven't increased. So there's been a huge pressure on the tech sector. Um, so we've been looking at how we can support them during this time. We were also going to launch um, some school trials as part of the tech innovation testbed, but due to school closures, we had to uh, postpone that. And we've pivoted that program into something called the EdTech R&D program, which is 
mainly looking at edtech companies and looking at how it's closing the disadvantage gap. So you know that lots of kids are learning online, but there are a large number of kids who don't have access to devices or internet. And the government has been trying to help address that through the EdTech pledge. And we've been working with them on the national tutoring program, uh, which is looking at how do we help learners catch up with their learning. So there's a lot going on specifically around how do we help companies um, have a sustainable business model during this time where there's massive adoption, but not enough sort of revenue growth. And on the other hand, how do we make sure that the most disadvantaged learners are able to use these technologies and help them on their learning during school lockdown? Nesta runs an award called Classroom Changemakers. Please, could you tell us a bit about this? That's a, um, a program that we started this year, specifically to award teachers and teaching assistants who are using innovative ways to teach maths and computer science. So the world we live in, algorithms play a huge role in shaping what we see and how we experience the world. But a large number of students find maths and computing very difficult. So the idea was, could we identify classroom change makers who are using these really difficult subjects and teaching them in a much more creative and real world problem solving uh, way so that more people are engaged and are learning. And we've um, published a report and awarded 75,000 pounds to 15 teachers who are doing some interesting things from um, using migration data to to getting kids to understand maths in a much better way through game design and having links with industry professionals to solve real world problems. So those are just some examples, but I really would recommend people to uh, read the report and look at some of the other practices that are highlighted because tough subjects like maths and computing can be taught in a much more engaging and relevant way that helps more learners uh, learn these subjects and then use it in their future careers. You know, the way society values teachers, um, I think there's a huge problem because, you know, we value engineers and doctors, but we don't respect teachers enough for the work that they do. You know, they are building future leaders and future minds, shaping future minds. But currently, teachers are under huge pressure. There's not enough autonomy and they are overworked. So this uh, award was mainly to recognize teachers for the amazing work that they do. It it, it just is one of the ways in which we are sort of highlighting the work being done on the front line um, and really celebrating the achievement of these teachers. But there are hundreds of other teachers we're doing some amazing work. So uh, just wanted to give a shout out to the teachers. Yes, shout out to the teachers. Absolutely. And, and working throughout lockdown, very many of them as well. And then now, obviously, having to manage this situation. And yes, so th- thank you to all the teachers out there. Thank you. We salute you. So um, how do we ensure that no child is left behind in the event that they don't have access to the necessary technology in the home as COVID-19 brings digital learning to the fore? So there's a lot of research that suggests that um, edtech tools can benefit disadvantaged students in a number of ways um, by providing them with more personalized learning, increasing their digital skills for the future. 
and helping them understand where they need to build further capabilities. However, we know that there are numerous barriers uh, when it comes to making sure that the disadvantaged students are also learning and benefiting from edtech tools. Um, there are a number of reasons, right? Firstly, it's just access to devices and internet. Secondly, it's the home learning environment. And thirdly, it's uh, the parental support. And I think the kids who are from well-off families have access to devices. They've got acquired space to learn and uh, they have parents who uh, either make the time to spend uh, with their kids or pay for private tuition. So I think we really do need to think about how we can help the most disadvantaged students catch up with learning during a time when learning is happening online. So the government has um, made an EdTech pledge and they're spending a billion pounds to support um, learners catch up with learning. And 350 million pounds is specifically targeted at disadvantaged students. Nesta, along with EEF, Sutton Trust, and Impetus and DFE are working on the National Tutoring Program, which is looking at helping uh, disadvantaged kids get one-to-one -one or small group tuition. That's one program. But I think more than that, in, in addition to the academic skills, there's been a huge impact on mental health due to the lack of uh, social interaction. So I think there, there needs to be a much more holistic support, um, well-being support, employability, skill support, in addition to academic skills. And that's where Nesta has been working with uh, Shail and Sir Mark Grundy at Shailen Collegiate Academy and Glue and Trauma Response Network to put together a platform called edu.school, which specifically looks at this holistic learning, not just academic skills, but also support with well-being and employability and career skills. So that's just one example of uh, targeting the intervention for the most disadvantaged. So the government made sure that uh, devices and internet access was being provided to year 10 disadvantaged students. But more than the devices, you also need the wraparound support. And that's where Nesta uh, funded this pilot in uh, Birmingham and the Black Country. Really important work, so important. So great to hear about that. And we look forward to following the progress of that as well. So will you keep us informed about all of these projects and everything that's yes, going on? Yes, so the edu.school um, is writing up a report on its evidence and that will be published later this month. And we are hosting an event on the 22nd to share the findings and really uh, look at what more needs to be done to to support the most disadvantaged students uh, when it comes to holistic learning. I love the work of the Sutton Trust as well. We've done a lot with the Sutton Trust before and I just think it's incredible the work that they do. So whatever we can do to support that moving forward, really happy to do that. So uh, as well as education and tech, you've got a background supporting entrepreneurship. So how do we encourage entrepreneurship in schools, particularly at the moment with the enforced social distancing that's going on because I remember back at when I was at school so you'd be running I think I think somebody was making jewelry out of pasta um, I think I think I had to go at making jewelry uh, various other different things H how do we keep entrepreneurship type things going in schools when everything is as it is at the moment I think it can be done just as it's been proven um, with the program we ran called the Longitude Explorer Prize which was very much a face-to-face -face program where 
uh, young people across um, UK were supposed to come up with new ideas to challenges that they see in the community and use AI uh, solutions. So it was not only helping them build entrepreneurial skills, but also communication, teamwork, and get an understanding of AI. When the pandemic hit and schools were locked down, we moved the program online. So there was mentoring online, the resources were provided online. So it is possible to continue to support entrepreneurial skills in an online setting. But I think it starts with the right mindset, right? From teachers, from parents, and helping learners understand that it's not just about passing your exams, getting into university, and then finding a job. It's about thinking, how can you become an entrepreneur and solve problems in your local community or even in the world, right? Young people today are thinking about climate change and uh, other issues that are present in our society. So I think it's about linking schools with businesses and um, with civil society to support learners on their journey or you know, helping them build enterprise skills. Final question for you, Joyzy. What is coming up next for you and what are you excited about? So um, we've been working on the EdTech program where we've launched uh, the National Tuition Program, we've launched the R&D program to support the most disadvantaged pupil um, learn better and make use of education te technology that is available. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I think in the future, there'll be much more use of technology, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, augmented reality. These tools that exist will be used much more for learning and teaching and assessments. Uh, and this is a real opportunity for us to rebuild back better um, as schools begin to go back um, this week. My kids are back in primary school. So I think there's a real opportunity to rethink what it means to be learning, to be teaching, and to be assessing students, and how we can use technology in a way that it really helps learners learn better in a much more effective, engaging, and efficient way. I think uh, the, the only other bit I wanted to add was the need for building skills like creativity, social skills, and emotional resilience. And a lot of times, these are the things that get pushed out because of the huge focus on exams uh, and just maths and English. But I think the world that we live in is not just about answering multiple choice questions. It's about thinking creatively. It's about building social relationships, understanding yourself, understanding others, and really solving problems in a way that you can create value. Um, so I think the more we can instill these skills at a young age, you know, early years, we need to be starting a lot earlier rather than wait till university for people to start solving problems. So I think emphasizing much more in an earlier setting, early years, primary school, secondary school, giving people the opportunity to build these skills, creativity, social and emotional skills, is really crucial. And I think the other point that I really want to highlight is the role that teachers play, not just in helping kids learn, but also in building their confidence, their aspirations, and giving them the, the belief that they can achieve anything they set their mind to, if they're willing to work hard and learn and have fun as well. So 
I would like to close on that note that the future is for us to make. I think it's the actions that we take today that determine what happens in the future. So uh, being an optimist, I would love to see change in education. You know, it's been the way education has pretty much stayed resilient to change. Um, but now we have seen that there are better ways of doing things. And um, whatever we do going forward, we need to make sure that equality and equity is the, at the core of it. Really excited and looking forward to the future. Joy Z, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hey, my name is Inush Santos. I am the Associate Editor for Womanfology and here I am to tell you all about our new issue, Education Evolution. The stories include Tessa Tribune, Let Toys Be Toys campaigner, tells us all about how this campaign is making progress towards smashing gender stereotypes in the marketing of toys and children's books. They have recently expanded to schools and developed a range of free resources for teachers and parents to challenge gender stereotypes in early years, primary and secondary schools. First place winner of IT Sports of the Future competition and creator of Electrodeck, Charlotte Geary, also shares with us how she came up with the idea to invent a skateboard that allows you to travel long distances without having to make contact with the floor every few seconds. Charlotte couldn't believe when she was told she had won the competition and is now considering following a more creative career path, whether that is in arts or engineering. Also, Rachel Anderson, head of delivery for schools at Magic Breakfast, informs us about this amazing charity that provides a healthy breakfast for children in their 480 partner schools in the UK. Magic Breakfast is set on eliminating child hunger in the UK and came up with fantastic solutions to continue delivering breakfast to children after the pandemic hit and schools closed. Andra Salkadeen, a digital designer and video editor at Labster, talks to us about how virtual labs have allowed science to keep being taught even when the pandemic hit. Labster creates virtual simulations of scientific laboratories which empower students to learn and practice laboratory work before going into real labs and has showed that it can facilitate access to education in the most unusual of contexts. Vivian Porritt, a co-founder and strategic leader of WomenEd, tells us about how COVID-19 has changed education and how they keep supporting women leaders in education. Vivian also introduces WomenEd's own book, 10% Braver, Inspiring Women to Lead Education. Last but not least, Sue Pope, Head of Service, Science, Mathematics and Core Skills at the Scottish Qualifications Authority, talks to us about the importance of mathematics in modern society and how teaching is her passion. Do check out our website www.womanfology.co.uk to read the full stories. And that is all for me.
Okay, so welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have got friend of the show, Harvey Morton. Hi, Harvey. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. That is a great pleasure. Looking forward to chatting with you today. So, Harvey, please can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and your career background? Yes, so I'm Harvey Morton, Um, I'm 22 and I'm a freelance uh, web designer, social media manager um, and influencer marketer as well. So all things digital marketing is what I do. Um, I actually started my first business when I was age 13 through a school enterprise competition called The Big Challenge where teams in schools and colleges get £25 to start up a business. And then we see who's the most successful in a variety of areas after two school terms. Um, And then in 2013, I decided that I wanted to go from selling key rings to doing IT support, which was better suited to my own individual skills. So I I did home IT support and one-to-one tuition for a couple of years and also supported businesses with their IT support needs. And then in 2016, I went into social media management and web design and it's evolved from there, really. Wow, and started so young. Yeah, so I I do feel quite old now when I'm telling that story. (laughs) Back in the day when I was 13. Yeah. (laughs) Just to point out at this point in time that Harvey actually does our social media and our website as well. So if you can cope with us, you can cope with anybody, can't you? (laughs) I can, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what sort of uh, projects do you work on on a day-to-day basis? So mainly um, the bulk of what I do is social media management, so mainly writing content for different businesses. I work with lots of different companies from startups and then um, to medium-sized businesses and then I've also done work with, with national brands as well, so I like to keep quite a mix. And then alongside that, um, I tend to be working on maybe two to three website projects at a time, um, so plenty to keep me busy, and then occasionally do influencer marketing um, stuff as well, which is a bit more time-consuming, but something that is really important, and I really enjoy that too. And in terms of diversity and inclusion, why is that so important to everybody, not just women? So, um, I mean, I've been um, employed by companies who kind of fake um, diversity and inclusion, but it's not something that you can fake. So hiring from kind of marginalised groups for the sake of diversifying the company, I think, is really insincere. So no one wants to get a job because um, they've had disadvantages so that the CV might not be the best, but the company might still hire them anyway, just to tick a box. And um, no one person can be diverse in isolation. It's important to have um, a really good balance throughout the entire team. And people do deserve to be recognised for 
potential contributions and how they will contribute. I think that um, diversity and inclusion is important for everyone because a diverse group can be a sign of a healthy and inclusive culture. So anyone who might be looking for a job at that company will notice if it's if it's a diverse place to work. Um, a few years ago, I had an interview for the Apple Store in Sheffield, um, and that was one of the most diverse um, interviews I've ever been to, and it was full of, of quirky and, and fun personalities and that's something that I've only ever seen and experienced once and it really does stick out in my mind and and you know that Apple's an inclusive place to work because you can tell that just from walking into the shop but um, I think that for companies diversity should be a a major goal um, because if if the workplace is more inclusive it will become more effective as well. And there's better ideas as well surely. Exactly yeah I think if everyone can complement each other then it'll only become a more pleasant place to work. In this episode we are talking about education evolution and the way education is changing largely as a result of COVID-19 but not exclusively what are your favorite examples of the way technology is being used to change the way education is being delivered? I think things like Google Classroom really innovative tools like that have allowed people to connect virtually and, and still kind of interact with with other students, even in the circumstances we found ourselves in. I know that when I was at school and at university, even that any ideas of distance learning or virtual learning seemed really strange. Like everyone was almost like, why would you want to learn virtually? But things like the open university didn't kind of have kind of the the best reputation people just thought well it's not a real university if it's virtual but actually I think this the lockdown that we've been through have made people realize that you can use loads of digital tools to learn effectively and and I think it's been great to see that students have still been able to get a a good education even in the most bizarre of circumstances so it's been been great to see kind of everyone making the most of things like zoom and and skype and yeah google classroom that i mentioned before Um, and it'll be interesting to see really what what sticks after this and whether some institutions and schools will stick to some, maybe some virtual learning because I think it's probably made people realise that you don't have to be present in person for everything. Well, we've been having a lot of conversations uh, over the past few weeks in the past episodes about how glad we are that this has happened when we've got this technology because you can imagine like going back 10 years, 20 years, if we didn't have the technology we've got now, how on earth would we have functioned? Exactly. And, and and I felt cut off at points throughout, especially the start of lockdown, not knowing what to do with myself and, and where to turn. But actually, if it was 
it'd be a hundred times worse without the technology because everyone's relied on that to be able to connect with others and and see family and friends and still carrying on with work as well. So you're our favourite digital guru, obviously. (laughs) So what are your favourite tools and hacks in digital? What should all the Womanthology podcast listeners be tooling themselves up with? So um, in terms of kind of software that I've been loving recently and apps, um, I think that any kind of tools to have virtual meetings are great, like Zoom. TikTok is a new favourite of mine as well in terms of the social networks. Um, Even if you think that it's, it's not suitable for you, there's loads of entertaining and educational content on there. And I think that's been an escape for so many people throughout lockdown. And as you know, I'm a huge food fan. So all throughout <laughs> lockdown, um, I was a big fan of um, anything where I could have food delivered, <laughs> like um, City Grab um, in Sheffield, which was great that that was set up. Um, and things like even Just Eat and Deliveroo, I think that, Um, Even for grocery stores, uh, having a presence on those apps, it's made it really accessible to get things delivered, even when people couldn't leave the house. I think that's been really important. And as well, it's been great to see how um, gyms have adapted, for instance, and offered new home workouts and given people new ways of connecting and exercising together and that helped me to balance out all the food I was eating as well. And you mentioned TikTok. Mm-hmm. So for those who uh, are, do less digital stuff, so there's obviously TikTok. Is there an Instagram, like an Instagram version of TikTok that's coming out? Yeah, so um, within the last week, Instagram have launched their um, version of TikTok, which is called Instagram Reels. Um, and both very similar tools. I mean, TikTok has got a lot, um, largely younger audience. So it's most popular bit- between the ages of, of 10 and 13, which is quite surprising because most social media sites don't allow you to join um, before age 13. But with Instagram Reels, it might help to raise the appeal of of that sort of content um, to Instagram's wider audience so you get all sorts of ages and and different groups of people on there. So it'll be interesting to see in a few months' time what's more popular, but I think it's still important for companies to have a presence on both if, if you feel like you're in an industry where you can make short form video content and make it entertaining and um, informative as well. There's been a lot of talk in recent years about building your personal brand. With so much saturation in the market with blogs and podcasts, what's the best way to cut through the noise and build your profile and influence? I think that if you're looking to build up a brand or even a a personal profile, a blog, a podcast, I think that consistency really is key. Um, You've got to consider why do people 
like listening to you, reading your blog, or why do people like working with you? Um, and a few years ago, I actually rebranded my whole business because for so many years, I've been given the advice that you've got to position yourself as a corporate company because no one will want to work with an individual. Um, so you've got to make it out like you're a company. And that really just didn't feel like me. Everything was black and grey on my website. And so a, a few years ago, I decided to rebrand and I thought, no, I'm not a company. And and the reason that people enjoy working with me is for, to, to get to know me and for the personal service. And since I did that rebrand, I wish I'd have done it like five years earlier it's made such a difference so really research into your service and look at what other people are doing and um, because I think it's important to know what the best angle to approach things is because for me yeah I took bad advice for so many years and actually I just ended up going with my gut in the end and it turned out to be the best so and as well I think you know, there are so many different ways of marketing yourself. So you've got to really consider best options for you. And in terms of social media channels, so we touched on them a little bit, but what's the best way to keep on top of them all? Because there's so many. So we've talked about TikTok, we've talked about Instagram Reels. Uh, how are we, unless you're a big organization yourself where you've got like a massive team to manage these things what's your advice to people who want to build their following but haven't necessarily got huge resources to do it um i always advise people maybe to pick one or two of the social networks grow a following on those and when you feel like you're comfortable maybe branch out into a third or, or fourth. There's no point having a presence on all the channels just for the sake of it. Because, for instance, I've, I've worked with companies before where they've had a presence on all these different platforms and some of them really haven't been appropriate for the type of business that it, it is. So, for instance, you wouldn't get a manufacturing business on Instagram because no one wants to see photos of the same tools and parts posted every day. Well, you um, might, but probably not. Yeah, maybe there's some people that enjoy that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for, for someone in kind of tourism and leisure, then Instagram is perfect. And, and for businesses that work kind of with, with other businesses and sell B2B, um, then Twitter's a great tool and LinkedIn. But for consumer-based products and businesses, LinkedIn maybe isn't a great route to go down. So it's important to look at what type of um, demographics are attracted to all the different platforms and use that as as the start to making your decisions about which platforms to go on so it's all about context and it's about picking your horses yeah and as well i think with with content making sure that you can keep up regular posting because it looks really bad if someone's got a link to a facebook page on, on the website and you click on and the last update was posted like seven years ago because people then think that the business is shut. So you've got, to, you've got to have your accounts, but you've got to nurture them as well. So if you set yeah. something up, keep an eye on it. Exactly. 
Harvey, what's coming up next for you? What are you excited about? Yeah, so I feel really um, content at the moment. I've got lots to be excited about. So I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel where I offer quick social media tips and advice. So that will be launched in late September. Um, I'm also starting a podcast of my own, which I'm working on at the moment. And then really it'll be um, mostly starting to work with businesses to prepare for Christmas. Even though it's we're recording this at early September, it feels a bit too soon yet. But Christmas always takes up a lot of my time from sort of this time of year to even into the new year really. So that's everything I'm working on. I am sad that the Eat Out to Help Out scheme has finished now. So Devastated. I've got, to, <laughs> I've got to make sure I fill my time with something. <laughs> Harvey Morton, thank you so much for taking part. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Will you come back and join us again? I will, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also subscribe. Your feedback is really important. So please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. That's all for now. But join us in the next episode where we'll be hearing about women working in transport and automotive. For now, take care and stay safe.